Hey, you ever listen to stock radio? Ever listen to stock radio on Weeb? show tonight besides Rye being here and Nick and KD we've got a couple other guests tonight first at 815 we've got Stephen Feldman Stephen Feldman is a Canadian pot stock expert and uh, he is a guy who really can help us understand what the legalization in Canada means and what's recreational legalization of course it's been legal medically for years but what that means recreational to companies we've been following the overall market, and then what he thinks is going to happen with companies in Health Canada as we lead up to that possible July of 2018 date for recreational legalization. So we got him a little uh, early to talk a little Canadian pot stocks. And then at 9 o'clock, we've got John Poss, CEO from Growblock Sciences, GBLX on the OTC. And they're a very uh, watched company because they've been around for a while. They've been around since late 2014, early 2015, I believe. But they've been one of the more stable 
companies, at least moving in channels like anything. He's got volatility when you're a pot stock and you're in the OTC, but a little bit of a different chart than what we're used to looking at. Have a little bit of microphone technique? A little bit of mic issues, right? Over there. Yeah, we messed you're with right. it. You're sweet. And of course, what we did is we messed, me and you messed with it for 10 minutes. <laughs> Perfect. And then the show started and it went, shroom, limped it aside. <laughs> So there's a lot has been happening up in Canada since I've, you know, in the last two years since I've been gone. I, what I want to know is the Health Canada part. Yeah, I know he's going to have his opinion on what companies are going to make it, not make it. But when we started out hearing about Health Canada and understanding how that process went, it sounded like a shit show that I couldn't believe there were people getting involved. I mean, for money, but to go through that process just seemed like a nightmare. And I wonder how that's changed as they've developed and got a little more comfortable with Health Canada. And then what's going to happen leading up to this? I can't imagine Health Canada is going to make recreational easy. What's happened to Fiddix? I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> They're building the fence. So, right, since you've uh, left Potstock Radio, uh, so you know how fences are chain link? Yes. Barbed wire up. Just so you know. Okay. You there's barbed wire. There's barbed wire up. In okay. case you haven't been paying attention for a few years. Progress. Uh, FITX, one of those companies. I'm glad that we don't talk about that anymore on Potstock Radio unless we're reminiscing I, about. I made some positive trades with them. So nothing well, good things to say. Right. That's what people should understand about Potstocks. And what I want people to understand about Potstock Radio and Writing a book as Rise kind of helped me with it a little bit to get the word out about Potstocks. You can make money in them. You just can't make money by thinking you're buying them low and waiting for them to go up and be worth a dollar. Not short term anyway. No, but if you did what you did with FedEx, uh, which is what we called it, FITX, but everyone knows it as FedEx. Most companies that come out of the OTC, you're going to hold them and uh, they're going to reverse split to get up to four or five dollars. They don't travel up there. They reverse split out. Yep. And then they're going to drop from there and And then reverse split in a couple of years and and then people are going to look at and a chart and go, your money is people are going to look at a chart. People look at a chart and go, but it was worth $5. So it's going to be worth a dollar again. Right. No, it was worth $5 because of what you're saying. Maybe they're yeah, reverse split. That's why you wrote a book. Exactly. And I hope it is, uh, what's the word, uh, taken, uh, taken in the way I put it out to be just like Potstock Radio, an extra level of due diligence to understand before buying Potstocks, not what to buy when to buy it. That's other people's jobs that I don't ever want to be a carnival barker, but I feel I hear story after story, right? If you would have been in work with me last week when my buddy, really good dude who I love, I love this guy, helped me when I came into a new company to kind of understand how things worked. And he shows me a chart and he goes, I heard you talking about stocks the other day. Look at this company that I just bought off of a tip he got in church. Nice. And I looked at the chart, right? God. Right. And it was just what we were talking about before the show. Three days in a row of up, 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 and volume was drying. And he just <laughs> showed up at the top. And he's like, it, and, or he got at the bottom. No, he got it at the bottom. And he, he, he rode that three-day period. Right. But when I said to him, Mike. Did you take your profit? No, he didn't. No, because he was asking me what he should do. He was still injured at the time. And I was like, dude, you sh- 
should sell this stock right now. Just get on the sidelines. I'm not telling you not to get back in. I promise you there's a point in the next short period of time that you're going to be able to get in cheaper and be happy that you got that out. That was now. the best advice anyone gave to him that week. Did he, he listen? Was. No. But guess why he didn't listen, Rye? Guess what his answer was? Because what do you try to teach people? I've done it. Not to I've be emotional. It. You didn't do this, Rye. Ready for this one? What he says to me is, Eric, I can't sell the stock. Why can't you sell it? Because when I was in church and we left, my family was with me. So I told them what I was doing. They bought the stock too. So I can't get out of it when they're still in it. And I'm like, dude, so now you're making bad decisions because you're stuck in something because you've got family into it. Like that's the worst. One of my customers looks at me three weeks ago. And he didn't tell me what he bought, but he goes, wow, my <laughs> friends are in some stocks. I'm going, what are you, what are you buying and selling? Because I don't think he realized, you know, how into the stock market I am. Yeah. And he told me all oh, those pot stocks are moving. And I, and I can't give him, you know, three years of history no. in two minutes that I've had with this. You know, I was like, well, my advice is see if you're up, pull it. Well, that was my advice to him, and of he, course. Of course. And then I waited and he came back and said, ah, I talked to my kids. They don't want to get out. So I can. And I was like, okay, Mike. We don't say his last name, but he's Mike. Mike, uh, what did you invest? He tells me what he invested. How much are you up? I'm up $1,200 over what I invested. I'm like, okay, here's a simple solution. Just take your original investment out right now. That way you don't have to go back to your kids and say, I sold them out. Tell them what you did. Hey, I got my money back. Now it's the market's money that I'm playing with. You should do the same if they don't. They can't hold that against you. He didn't do it. And the next day, Rye... I saw a little smile on his face because the stock was up. And I was like, oh, I know what he's thinking. And then halfway through that day, the stock was down 40%. And by the end of the next day, it was back down to where it was when he bought it. And his fa- now his family was mad at him. You, you were explaining a situation that almost every single person listening to this show did right the first I know. time they bought a stock right but he did like the trifecta you know you don't just buy a stock on a tip although we got lucky then you don't get emotional well there's no way to get more emotional than getting your family involved and then right while i'm telling them because I, I sounded like the dick because i'm looking at the chart going dude just sell this and he's online googling wanting me to read articles about no no but you don't know what this company does and i'm like yeah dude and you don't really either they could have debt you don't know about so all i'm doing is i'm not trying to be a jerk but i don't want to look at that article because i want you to understand that that article has nothing to do with why you should have Maybe I should have bought it because that's going to put news out there and drive volume, but I don't want you to think that I'm going to make a different decision based on whatever that article says. The chart says, sell it. And It's the hardest part, and it takes years to learn how to remove emotions, and most people never go that far in this game. The best way to do it is that. Put your money in, and if you're right, pull your initial investment out. And then what do you really have to right. be emotional about? Unless you just have an ego. And if you have an ego, you got to it check that. It really out. does take years to learn how to, you know, come up with a trade plan and even know what that is. Yes. So you're risking a certain amount of money, understand how to take stops, where to set them properly. Huh. And, and, and you can actually, you know, you're only risking a certain amount, not riding something. It's never a good idea. And let me guess, smart people like you, when you get a new trading strategy, you don't just throw your money in it. You paper trade it. Okay. Yeah. Master it. Do that. Yes. It's, 
I would recommend paper trading for a long time before you ever start using six months is what i said in the book six months of paper trading try and be right 60 percent of the time that is of course unless there's a big move in the pot stocks and just go all in or if you've got extra money if it's legit excess it could go to nothing and you don't give a shit okay then paper trade a couple of times if you're right for a little money in but don't go hey here's my savings I'm now going to invest that in the market. Okay, no further ado, we've got our first guest, and he is Stephen Feldman, the Canadian pot stock guru. What's going on, Stephen? How are you tonight? Good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, dude. How about you? Welcome, welcome. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, it's a great timing today because uh, if you're following the Canada pot stock scene, um, news today that legislation will be introduced into the House of Commons this Thursday for the legalization of recreational marijuana sent uh, okay. the Canada pot stock scene soaring today. Awesome. Now, did anything change date-wise? Because what I was reading seems to lean towards July of 2018. Anything Correct. happened yeah. that so, changes So this that is thing? the first step is actually bringing in the legislation into the House of Commons where it will be debated and uh, argued. And uh, we do have a, a liberal majority government in this country, so um, it will be, uh, by all means, it will more than likely pass. So uh, once passed, then you're right, they're going to set a date for when the legalization will become effective. Um, and then the next step is, uh, I'm not sure if your listeners know, but in Canada, the provinces are responsible for the distribution of alcohol, and it's no. going to be the same thing with cannabis. So the provinces right. now will be responsible for seeing how this legalized product now gets to the consumer. And that was a little nuts to hear that the provinces were going to be in control of distribution, but what was even crazier was to find out the provinces are going to be in control of price. How does that work when there's public companies and provinces controlling the price of the product? Well, this is the amazing thing about Canada. We actually saw news last week as well is that they're going to bring in uh, new um, interprovincial trade deals. Now, Canada, and I'm not sure how it works in America, we still have a lot of issues of trade, especially with wines is a big issue in this country, okay. inter- between the provinces. And so this is a, another issue that's been brought up because now, like I just said, the provinces, and you just said they're responsible for the distribution of this, they need to streamline this, right? Okay. Um, so as we don't have pricing discrepancies, major ones between the provinces, right? So um, because then you're going to have people, maybe they're going to get in their car and take all this product to the other province. So all these things will, will have to get worked out. But yeah, um, so now... All the provinces, of course, you know, the vocals, the unions, extra, everybody now wants a piece of this action on how it's going to get distributed within Canada. Yeah. So that's going to be the next step after the legalization stage. And wait, you just said two words together that as an American, I don't understand when you're talking about government. Uh, you said something about the government and streamline the process. Is that <laughs> is your government like our government doesn't streamline shit? Yeah, right. Every time I uh, talk to Canadians or hear about Canada, see pictures of Canada, I wonder how is America the place to go to in Canada? Is it? Well, it is. They just don't want to say that. People in Vancouver, are like, shut the hell up, dude. Yeah, but nobody. Like, how do all know. these people that are moving from different countries to immigrate for a better life not move to Oppert- Canada and move? To ah, America? it's opportunity. Well, you know what? Listen, um, 
you got to go to a few different. I was originally born and raised in Winnipeg, where the winters are ice cold and freezing. Um, and if you're, you know, this is you look at weather. If you're from these other places, and then you come to the West Coast, where this winter March was probably the wettest March on record. This can be very depressing. So, um, so I don't know. Maybe sunny California is probably the place to be. I don't know. But these are, you know, all these steps. Anyways, the the positive thing is that this is going forward on a federal level, which is allowed all these companies to list publicly on the stock exchanges, raise capital, and there's no legality issues like, per se, some American listed and the situation going on the U.S. exchanges. And that's why Canada now, on the capital market side, is really the world leader for um, setting the path for investing in cannabis, in the cannabis sector. Yeah, and I was going to I have a question about that real quick. One more question about the provinces. Uh, controlling the distribution. How do you think that's going to affect companies that already are Health Canada approved? Like companies are going to have to change their business plan if all of the sudden they're going to be held to their product having to be sold at a certain price, right? Right. Well, first of all, all the guys, generally the majority of all the listed uh, LPs all got their licensed producer status through the Health Canada medicinal um, route, right? So they're all okay. – um, in production currently to provide medicinal marijuana. Gotcha. So that, and that distribution generally works. You get a prescription, you go to one of their websites, you upload your prescription, and most of this product is delivered to you via the mail. So yep. recreation, of course, is a completely different market because you do not need a prescription then once that happened. It's generally looking like that the product that will be sold in the legalized recreational marketplace will be LP, uh, the licensed producers' product. So from their point of view, they're getting a whole new marketplace opened up to them, right? Um, And at a price where I'm generally sure they're going to make profits. And I'm sure that, like anything else in a liquor store per se, you're going to have a cheaper bottle of wine and you're going to have a more expensive bottle of wine. I think we're going to see the same thing with um, recreational marijuana and their products. So companies that already have an LP to produce medical cannabis, are they going to have to go back and get a different license to produce recreational pot, or will that license carry over? It's looking by all means that they are already cleared all the hurdles it takes to produce cannabis, i.e. security, um, quality control, all the various hoops that they already went through to get to that stage, yeah. they will not have to go through those hoops again, and these guys will be the ones that will be supplying the recreational market. But now, is the rec- do you believe the rec- recreational market is going to require a lot lower prices? So some of these companies that might have already got their LP – it's going to take a different – you know, you're going to want to spend a different amount of money to grow medical cannabis that's going to be held to different – It'll probably be similar to how it is in like states like Colorado who already have yeah. the uh, medical and yeah. recreational program to where there's different levels yeah. or allotment um, – like allowances that you could get, like maybe you can't get as much of medical. The, yeah, that's how it worked in Colorado. Colorado it was cheaper, and you could get more exactly. if you had your medical card compared to just going in there as a rack patient. Correct, and this was the main point the prime minister made, and why he pushed for this legislation to go through and and push for. He was the only really one of the few people in the last election that had this on his platform, and their thinking is this: they needed to have it at a price where they'll eliminate the black market, 
but still be at a price where the people are in the, who are providing this product can make a profit. So that is yet to be seen. So there's still a lot of unknowns going forward, um, but that's a key point of what the, the um, committee already reported um, in the House of Commons into Parliament, that that's a key factor is it needs to be at a level where the black market will no longer be there. And so that's, we'll see how that transpires as, as we go forward. Is that the biggest? What's the biggest obstacle? I think the biggest obstacle is going to be certainly, you know, um, the province issue and how it's going to be distributed. Second of all, you know, the licensed producers are lobbying. They want to have their product branded, right, as opposed – if you go into a, a Canadian gas station right now, you do not see cigarettes. You just see a – black door behind the cash register. And when you ask for your cigarette, then he opens up the door and he gives you the product. So you're not seeing any marketing, wow. right? And, and so That's this awesome. is what they're worried about, that you're going to go into a um, – uh, to buy your recreational product, and they're not going to allow them to market it per se, you brand know what? it. Stephen, you just made me think of something. All of a sudden, Rye, go back to being kids. They hid the Playboy magazines from us. We used to be able to see them behind the counter, and then all of a sudden they put them behind the black door. Why didn't they put the cigarettes and, behind the black door in America? And that's the exact opposite, because that's my industry. You know, I sell cigarettes. This, yeah. this is this, this is, Yeah, that's what. Listen, that's the reality here. Is um, is that you know, I don't think you can even have cigarette ads anymore in in, in, in magazines, etc. So yeah, this is a product that now has oh. in in Canada. Then completely, there's no marketing for it at all. So that's what the, a lot of the LPs are concerned about. They do want to brand themselves, and I don't blame them to, you know, put a the brand name. And someone needs to be or should be the Coca-Cola of cannabis. And that is yet to be seen how that's all going to be played out. In the meantime, but you know what? We are I, here's what I got to say about yeah. real quick. I get that because everybody's problem, who's against it, is what about the marketing to the kids? So if you just make the marketing super restrictive, here's what I can tell you. Nobody who really needs or uses cannabis needs it to be marketed to them. So it's just a greed aspect that companies want. And I get why the government's like, let's just not take a chance of people trying to entice 20-year-olds and end up enticing 15-year-olds. No, I totally agree with you because I'm under the I, – I firmly believe that, look, in this country, especially in this province, if kids want to smoke the product, they can already get, get the product very easily and smoke it. So it's not, in my opinion, I don't think that you know, legalized recreational cannabis is just going to bring in a whole new smoker to the market. I think what it's going to do, as, we, as you guys know, is that you're basically introducing a product to a market that already has mass numbers of consumers – and this is just going to make it easier for that consumer to go out and get that product. He doesn't have to call whoever he has to call before to get it, or he doesn't have to get a, a medical thing and, and do the whole mail system. This is going to be – you're going to go get your beer, your wine, and potentially in the same store or maybe in the same strip mall, you'll be able to get this product. And hence, that's why we're seeing such a euphoria and such interest and in capital being raised in Canada pot stocks. And I get, I get why it gets lumped in there with alcohol, but in a way, I'm like, as a true fan of pot, I almost hate when it gets lumped in there with alcohol that actually fucking hurts people. And it's like, now you got to go to the same place to buy this thing that doesn't hurt anybody as you do to buy the thing that people drive and crash into shit and kill people. But I'll take it. I'll take it. 
Yeah, we're seeing we're seeing you know um, you know business boards and and you know various business groups are concerned now that are their workers going to be coming in stoned and all these various aspects. And it goes back to what you said. Well, are they concerned that their workers are drinking when they get home? It's really you really if you're concerned that someone's using marijuana and, and that's why you're against it, um, you sh- you are not making they're not making that same vocal concern about their workers going home and drinking all night. Right. I mean, it's easy. Um, They've probably been using it either way. And it's easy. If your people are coming in late to work, they're probably stoners who stopped at Wawa. What are they really hurting? Just Dr. Pay and yeah. not like coming in drunk. I think you're right. You probably know who the stoners are. They, I mean, who knows? They maybe don't because, listen, there's, as you know and I know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, users of the product and, um, they function just fine. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're, they're professionals, they're all walks of life. And um, this is just part of the process, I think, of getting this out into. And then I think that the industry itself here has done an excellent job as, you know, when you see the news now, when you see people who are representing the industry, it's not that typical stoner that they used to show on the news. Now yeah. it's a guy in a suit. It's, it's a completely different attitude. And it's kind of, in the sense, coming out of the closet and into the open where we all know it already is anyways, right? I would like to say Potstock Radio has been a part of uh, getting that out there, that we're not all dumb stoners. Some of us are. Small piece of revolution. Some of us are. Right. We've been from the beginning. Like, we could be pot smokers that just understand money and use this instead of alcohol. But I think we can all agree that smoking weed can make us dumb sometimes. Yes. Well, if your relationship with pot. Or in a computer science program. Dude, look at him. He just is 44, and he almost said he's 43. (laughs) Jesus. Well, tomorrow I'll be 43. You know what? And if if you look at some of the debate going on in this country now, that's a very good point, because now the debate is you have a lot of the people who are like the grassroots advocates, etc., are pretty angry who were supporters of this government are now not supporters, and they're angry that this is going to be legalized, and they feel that they're being left out, right? Hmm. Um, and that's kind of what you're seeing taking place, certainly in social media and some of the higher-profile cannabis activists in Canada are feeling like they've been fighting this fight, and now we're going ahead, and that fight that they've been fighting is going to happen. We're going to legalize this. And they're going to be left out of the whole process and how the consumer is going to partake in it. Um, so I think they don't get credit. I think it's going to take a while, too, before they're really going to get credit. Because now it's going to seem like, oh, Health Canada decided to allow – or Canada decided to allow pot to be recreationally legal. Where people who fought for it for 30 years, like Matt Myrna and Steve D'Angelo, are going to be like, no, we fought to get here. Now Canada is going to go, oh, we just decided this. No. What they did for 30 years helped push in this direction. But I get it. Once you have a baby, well, the pregnancy has gone. It's the same way. Once you get yeah, an adult. It's, it's, like, the double wha- it's, it's the double whammy in the sense that, you know, yeah, they're pro the legalization, but there's a bit of an anti-corporate culture within that movement. And now, unfortunately or fortunately, depends on what side of the fence you're on. This has moved – Major corporately, because now we're talking big money's involved, right? Well, so everybody's got to get... realize that. That's the only now, thing yeah, that was well, going to was money. Nobody I ever just does saw just as, just as I got on, the, uh, on this call tonight, I see Emerald Health is raising $17.5 million, which is a licensed producer. So the companies, the cannabis companies, <laughs> are raising big capital in this country, 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, $50 million at a time. 
Oh, hundreds of millions question. of dollars, billions of dollars is being raised. So it's changed. There is a All right, so that's my question, is that I know those billions of dollars aren't coming just from Canada. So like you said, you guys are becoming the world leaders. What other countries do you see now trying to ride your coattails? And like the China, uh, like China. Well, China became the biggest holder of U.S. real estate as our bubble went up. Who's the country that's now trying to become Canada's? Well, I think the, 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 on this side, I'm in, in, in the equity markets and the capital markets, well, you know, our, our, our exchanges, our capital markets are pretty freely interchangeable. And so really, generally, let's say North America then uh, is really, in Canada per se, the leader in the raising of the capital. So what you're seeing, even Bloomberg reported this, this the other day, the money's being raised in Canada, and that money's going out throughout the world, right? So the Canadian companies are investing in Israeli CBD and research. The Canadian companies are buying American um, producers, American licensed, American businesses. They're going to Uruguay, and they're listed in Canada. So it's very similar, and, and this is where it comes from, the venture background of the Canadian exchanges. Because if your viewers not are aware, Canada is also a world leader in resource extraction and exploration. And that means the money's being raised in Canada and that money's going all over the world to look for the next copper, gold, silver discovery. And that's how come this was really born and why it's prospered in this country, because it's very similar in that sense that the capital is raised here, but that money is going to go to the very far reaches of the earth to find the next legalized market or all these various What you're saying is it's more of the money coming into Canada and going out than the money coming into Canada from other countries, except well, the U.S. See, buying stock. Right. You're, well, of course, you're going to see you know, that, you know, money for and money buy these stocks. But yes, to the general point, the, the capital raised here, look at you saw a Canadian licensed producer just make a $25 million investment going into Florida. Right. So this is happening here that the capital is being raised here, and then that capital is going to go and find homes Maybe it's going to be in Canada or maybe it will be global, but that's kind of what you're going to see here. And it gives the investor the opportunity to have exposure, per se, to maybe a big foreign jurisdiction that has promise, but you're able to have uh, an investment that trades on a North American exchange. You're going to see proper disclosure financially, corporately, right? So you can see what you're buying. You can read financials publicly quartered and feel that you have some degree of regulation behind that investment as opposed to, let's say, I'm going to go buy a stock on the you know, Timbuktu exchange, right, which is, I don't know. Most people probably wouldn't do it. There's not much worse. So, We're in America, so you could have just said the OTC. There's not much worse than the American OTC, than the Timbuktu's. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, the pink sheets, etc. But, you know, understand and your viewers should know that if the Canadian company is dual listed, yeah, maybe it's traded on the pinks or the OTC, it's still required to file and disclose quarterly um, yeah. and transparently on the Canadian market. So you can go and see and look at the filings and etc. And that's what I wanted to bring to your viewers tonight as well, because, yes, with all of this money, you're going to get... Um, people who think this is an opportunity to maybe shine up their orange and make it look like an apple, right? So this is what viewers should also and listeners should uh, um, pay attention to. Do your homework, do your due diligence, read the public filings, and if your pot stock is a minor, 
you may want to do further due diligence. When you say a minor, go a little deeper. I mean, when I when I mean a minor is that, um, you know, with this um, boom in the Canada pot stocks, a lot of the listings on the Canadian exchange were born as a technically filed and listed as a miner or oil and gas, right? Yeah. So if that company is going to make a switch from being listed as a miner or listed as oil and gas, they're going to have to go through a whole process of a new filing statement, uh, listing statement, um, um, approvals, etc., to make that transition to become the next business they want to become. And generally, lately, it's been a pot situation or a cannabis acquisition. So those are the kind of things listeners... Yeah, so those are the kind of things listeners like should be aware said. of. Yeah. Right, and if that is the case, most of the time if the company that, let's say, is listed as that um, and they sign a letter of intent, um, that really doesn't mean much. It still has to go through a whole process. As soon as they sign a definitive agreement, um, generally it, the exchange will halt trading in that stock until that deal is actually consummated and closed. And that could be weeks to months. And so and you these are some, some, some very yeah, good advice. Yeah, these are some of the pitfalls listeners should be aware of. I like you saying that just, you know, if you look at someone on the OTC and they're not filing quarterly reports, go look at them on the Canadian, Canadian exchange, and there they have to be. So that's if that, that right there is good advice. Yeah, absolutely. If they are listed on the Canadian market, any of the exchange, and some of them are very, you know, the CSE, for example, has very easy and clear a website for disclosure. In fact, they make companies file monthly um, update reports, and any change in share capital, et cetera, is all put into those reports. So there's a lot of transparency up here, and if you're trading the stocks, yes, and it's listed, and you're thinking, well, it's on the pink sheets or the OTC, but it's listed up here, you're going to have access to all the public filings. Awesome. All right. What do you think about uh, being able to grow four plants per household? Does that hurt the commercial industry, or is that something that's not even really being considered? I don't think that's a big deal. I think it's more it, – you know, you can almost compare it to you know, the guys that make their home brew or people that make their home wine and kind of stuff. I think they're leaving it open for people that want to be able to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, most people that you know, will consume this product – um, we'll find that, you know, what I think, it'll be pretty accessible and easy, and, you, you know, you won't have to have learn to, to grow it yourself. You'll, you'll be able to pick it up relatively easy and locally and things like that. So I think it leaves the door open for people to do that, but I don't think it's really going to make any, any big issue with, you know, the, the industry per se and the, and the companies that will be supplying it. And I think really when people do things at home, it kind of creates these other pocket industries where now you need companies that are helping people grow at home because very people are going to go from seed to smoke or, or ingest yeah. without needing some kind of help or products to do that. Or so. seed to sell. Now, what other so, – so talking about like pocket industries, what other industries do you think could come up from it being recreationally legal? In Canada, is there? Do you think Canada's looking at places like Colorado, realizing we need entertainment now? Do you see things like that starting to be talked about? Well, I think, you know, and I think you guys believe this as well, we're witnessing like the birth of an entire new industry. Yeah. We're witnessing the birth, let's say, of like the internet or um, alcohol prohibition. We're going to yeah, see, you know, this is, this is dramatic. It is, but at the same change. time. 
It is, but at you the know, same this time, this is going to create. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying we are like this is new, but Colorado happened, and we watched it go from medically legal to recreationally legal, and it caused things like the butt and breakfast. Now there's a hotel there. Yeah. Now that it's recreationally legal, you can go hang out with other like-minded cannabis enthusiasts. So yeah, it, it's 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 giving birth to this uh, a company, a, a group, Tokyo Smoke. I'm not sure you've heard of them. They're a group out of Canada that's received funding from some of the uh, you know Dragons Den, the TV guys. Um, you probably have your your show as well, Sharks Den, I think they call it, or in America, Shark or Dragons Den in Canada. Shark Tank, yeah, yeah. Dragon I Dragon like Den. Dragon I like Dragon Den too, dude. You might Dragon Den, you know, that's the Canadian version. But you know, it's this. It's um, to, they've launched that kind of lifestyle. You're going to go into their stores, and you're going to be around like-minded people and things like that. So yes, this is the birth of a of a new industry that I think a lot of people really don't realize the significance of it, and just all the peripheral businesses associated with this, along the whole you know economic food chain, like. Never mind just a licensed producer, someone that's – and I've always said this to my followers and and people that I speak with. This is much bigger than just someone growing a plant and selling it. There's a tremendous chain of business opportunities and um, investment opportunities in the whole spectrum of this industry, be it research and development, you know, new healthcare products, um, pain relief, um, suppliers um, for these industries – you know, innovation, development, lifestyle. So, you know, it's really endless, and the opportunity, I think, is there as well to be endless. All right, so now I appreciate your insight on what's going on in Canada in general and that push towards legalization recreationally, but our listeners want to hear about some individual companies, maybe former guests on Potstock Radio or just the top companies that are going to be affected by this change. Before we do that, though, let's remind everybody – we are Potstock Radio. We are not trying to get you to buy or sell any security. We are just here to help you with some information to allow you to do better research when deciding whether you want to invest in pot stocks. We're not trying to get you to buy anything or do anything illegal. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of the companies that really are – what I want to know is the top on the OTC. Like you said, some of the – doesn't mean all the companies that are the best companies are traded on the OTC, but we are Potstock Radio in the United States, so I'm giving you the top 10 that are traded on the OTC, starting with Canopy Growth Corp. Right. Your thoughts? Well, the Canopy, well, on the OTC, and of course, it's, you know, weed up on the Toronto Exchange, and Canopy obviously is the largest, you know, market cap per se grower, so – I think personally, on the LPs and the growers, these stocks are now starting to be coveraged by multiple brokerage firms who have research reports out on them, you know, all the various analyst reports. And I think your listeners will probably see that it's getting to the point where, you know, they are the go-to stocks because they are the most liquid. Um, yeah. But they're 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 starting to be covered by so many people that my opinion, etc. Um, there's a lot of information out there for your listeners to find 
information on these companies, right? So it's going to, they are kind of in a sense, you know, more turning into somewhat of a commodity in the sense like, you know, there's X amount of analysts on Ford or on Yahoo or et cetera, right? So that's what we're seeing with a lot of the LPs. There's a lot of coverage on them, and there's a lot of people that have built models um, on targets, things like that. So, yes, it's the, been the go-to stock. Um, it's been a little bit of a laggard to some of the other LPs as of late, but it really kind of uh, kicked up today and was up about 6.5%, um, caught up to a lot of the other licensed producers as um, that news of the legislation being introduced on Thursday came into the marketplace. Um, so the go-to stocks generally with the highest liquidity um, and the market caps are the Canadian licensed producers. Canada and Tweed people. doesn't hurt that they got a great name for branding in Tweed, and Snoop Dogg being affiliated doesn't hurt either. Right, and they got a great ticker symbol, Weed, here in Canada, yeah, right. W-E-E-D. <laughs> yep. yep. Love it. All right, next one, because that's what I'm going to do is go through them one by one, Aurora Cannabis. Unless you yeah, have again, a different one. Well, I don't really, honestly, I don't have a lot of tremendous insight into, again, the, the licensed producers because I think there's a lot of clarity on them. And Aurora is, a, is another. Aurora has been really outproducing, um, um, or sorry, outgaining the, the, its uh, peers and, you know, traded at a new high today, closed up 6% to $8.39 Canadian. And Aurora is that one of those businesses I mentioned, or, or sorry, I was talking to Afria. Um, Aurora is one of those businesses they have, sorry they closed up strong today as well up 18 percent um they had a big raise that was at around 225 recently and you know there you're seeing a lot of the the these ones the aurora the afries etc have been really outperforming let's say the benchmark which has been canopy growth but again these are companies that have lots of disclosure there's coverage on them listeners can get research reports etc and see their growth plans and all these various aspects of these companies right all right, so let's do so, this then. We'll go to talk about look at the, the company. Volume on in Canada traded 22 million shares today. You know, this is a very liquid uh, go-to name. All right, so we already talked about Twitter. So now let's do this. Let's just talk about former guests and get your opinion on uh, of the ones that are left, who you are a fan of. So, who haven't we talked to? So Exactly. Well, on this list, I'm just going, we've got the ones left, Supreme Pharma, Organogram, and... Emblem and Emerald. Your thoughts em- since they're well, all previous guests on those four companies. I, listen, I think a lot of these companies are they're trading very similarly in the market pace because they are the licensed producers. Some of them, of course, are, are selling a bit more than others. Emerald, as I mentioned earlier in the show, just had a bought deal announced tonight, um, $17.5 million. Um, they have, you know, I've, I've, the CEO of that is a, is a well-known biotech person in, in Canada, Avtar Dillon, and he's the largest shareholder. And I kind of like, you know, companies that have very large shareholders in the sense that, you know, there's a lot at stake. So, again, a lot of these companies, they're trading very, you know, they're trading pretty much similarly in the marketplace. And if your viewers, or if, viewers, if your listeners are not aware, we just had a, first ever marijuana ETF launched in Canada, so exchange-traded fund. And that has done it extremely well, actually better than I thought it would because most of the other ETFs of that particular company don't really have any volume. But this particular ETF, which is HMMJ on the TSX, 
the Horizons Medical Marijuana Life Science ETF. You know, again, very liquid. It was up 9% today. It just listed last week at $10. But my point being on that is that um, as the money funnels into that, they're buying a lot of these names you just mentioned because they're in the ETF. So the ETF is relatively um, – doesn't have a lot of depth to it, so that there's a, there's a high concentration of, of, of names – or sorry, a high concentration of a, just a few companies per se. So that's been also fueling a lot of this action in the names you just listed because they're in the um, index that this ETF is matching, and this ETF is just – seen tens of millions of dollars pour into it, so they're buying these names. All right, and you said the LPs are all trading. Similarly, what companies are not LPs that you think people should have an eye on? Well, I think you know, I'm a big fan and investor myself in the, you know, the, the guys in the, in the CBD space, right? The guys mm-hmm. doing the research and development, the guys looking for the next you know, GW Pharma, right? And we've seen that thrown around a lot because of your, your, your listeners know GW Pharma is really technically the highest value market cap um, cannabis-related stock, you know, in the world, sure. right? Um, trading at, what, $118, and you know, et cetera. So um, people are looking for the next GW Pharma. There's a company called InMed Pharmaceuticals, which trades on the OTC and is Canadian listed on the CSE, so your listeners can get full disclosure and read about this company and have the kind of comfort that, yes, it is on the OTC in the States, but it is required. It's monthly filings, it's quarterly filings, et cetera. So there is a company that has developed a proprietary cannabinoid manufacturing system, right? Um, they've got a pipeline of drugs in development for glaucoma, uh, epidermolysis, bullosa, a variety of things, and they have had a very um, receptive uh, from investors. You know, the stock has been trading very well, trading near highs, and I think that's a company that uh, your listeners should probably pay a little bit of attention of as well. And then, any company? If I keep going on, I have another one I can mention if if, if you want to hear. Now listen, let's just uh, – because i got to ask this question. I'd rather ask it now than at the end. Yeah. I know you do investor relations. Are these companies that you work for or an affiliate in any way for, or is this just information of companies you personally invest in or watch? These are in companies that I personally invest in, right? Okay, you know, got it. And generally – and generally, what you know, what I, you know, if I, if I, I do a lot of due diligence myself. Um, I was the only um, cannabis social media um, personality, let's say, that was invited to the recent uh, Dundee Cannabis Conference in Calgary, Canada, here, where every single cannabis company presented. So I do a lot of due diligence. I, I listen to a lot of presentations. I meet a lot of the CEOs. I go into a lot of offices, and so that's kind of my. Um, what I do, and then I put that information out, and uh, not in the sense I do not give buy or sell recommendations on my on my Twitter feed, but I put out information. Hey, take a look at it. Look what these guys are doing, and maybe it's of interest to you. And so this is a company that I've met with. Oh God, probably two three years ago. I know the management, um, and it was one of the first stocks I started following as it was very early, even before in the sense of some of the licensed producers, these guys were very early in the biopharmaceutical space of cannabinoids. Okay. And who were they? Go into, I know you said you got some other companies that you think. Well, another one that um, had some good news 
today and recently raised some funds as well as Alexaria Bioscience. Um, here's a company again in the cannabinoid edible space, um, yeah. a company that has patents for the process of how cannabinoids enter the body. And so they're seeing um, in testing time sets of with to make that product absorbed into the system you know, at multiple times faster than other methods. And I'm sure some of your, your, your listeners might have seen this article that was floating around, I don't know, it was the last few weeks, about a doctor that said, well, if you really want the best way to get this product into your system, put it up your butt. Right? That's a positive I'm, I'm not sure if you saw it. Yes, there was, a, there was this doctor, it was a big story, it made her, I tweeted it a few times, was if you really want to get absorption of this stuff, put it up your butt. And so I don't I can know say- how many people... All what I can get, say is, doing later? You wanna, I was just going to say, Rye already looked really in. He was shaking his head up and down, yes and the, yes to the up your butt. I am not taking any joint you pass me, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> but listen, medically and scientifically, yeah, everyone, you know, there is a lot to be said for absorption through putting something up your butt. Yeah, but do you really want to do that? <laughs> people do that with cough syrup. Cough syrup, yeah. We're, we're way ahead <laughs> on that. So... So here's a company that has is really that you, let's bypass putting something up your butt. They have you know testing patents. They have a deal now with Health Canada to even research this further um, on you know bringing a absorption technology um, for edible cannabinoids you know into the marketplace. Um, they also have you know product where really um, it's going to mask the flavor of a lot of these products. So I'm not sure if your listeners have you know, tried edibles or some of these products. Some of them don't taste very good. Um, yeah, some of them still have a very cannabis flavor. So they have technology that enables the, the masking of poor tasting compounds. And it's so, true. When people are that, taking it for medicine, they don't want to taste the plant. So that's true. No. No. And, and a lot of these edibles and et cetera products are using a great deal amount of sugars and uh, other products in there that you maybe the consumer doesn't want. And so um, that eliminates the need for, for, for some of those that, things. So that's, there's that fine line, though, too, Steve, because it's like, well, but it's medicine. What medicine tastes good? So once you make it taste too good, that's when it's like, who are you really marketing this to? Why do you got to make it taste like yeah. nerds? Why can't you know, why can't you make it taste well, like Well, as you guys know, that's been, that's been an issue. Yeah, that's been a big issue with the edible space and why a lot of it was shut down. I know even in this city, in this province, you know, they're making things look like gummy bears or lollipops. Yeah, you know why? Because gummy bears are friggin' delicious, not because we want to get kids to eat them. <laughs> Jesus. We've got to make a gummy exactly. bear look like... But on the other hand, we, we've seen them then, you know, clamp down on the edibles because, yeah, they're looking like gummy bears. But, you know, when little Billy comes home and he sees the package of gummy bears out, then, then that becomes an issue and everybody screams and yells about it. So these are the kind of... So, so there's a huge opportunity for investors. It doesn't have to be a licensed producer, someone that grows the marijuana product. It could be some of the various other aspects that this whole legalization in the cannabis market is doing because the big positive, as you guys know, is capital is being raised. And to yeah. do all this research and development and to do all this work, it takes money. And maybe a few years ago that money wasn't there for this kind of stuff. But it is now, and that's why the search for the next GW Pharma is on. And in Canada, how much uh, goes on with – 
the money that's raised going towards the promotion of the stock compared to going towards producing revenue for the companies. Because that's what I worry about in the United States. It's like when they get this money in, in, you know, in the OTC, usually it's going to either pay toxic debt or go to, going to promotion. What happens in Canada? How do they – manage that hopefully better than I, we do. I've been yeah that's a great question and that's why I say to you to listeners do your due diligence I've been in this in the financial markets and the various assets for 25 years most of them in Vancouver which as some people know has had its reputation throughout the years certainly in the mining circles of being a city that where a lot of stock promotions come out of and it's really yeah. no different than this look at promoters in this city as I said earlier we have still a very challenging resource marketplace, which is the bread and butter of the Canadian equity markets. And so if you're sitting in your office in Vancouver and that gold project you have in you know, northern Ontario really isn't getting any traction in the marketplace because all you see is people buying pot stocks, and that's what's happening. You may try to make your orange look like that apple because everyone's buying the apple. And so, yes, there is... There is um, there's a lot of companies, they do, they spend a lot of money on um, awareness of the company. Now, I don't particularly think that's a negative, right? I speak with companies, and I've spoken with companies, that they're not doing anything in the marketplace. They think that they're pushing their business ahead, and they're not concerned about what the shareholder market is like. Um, and maybe their stock it reflects that. So... We are seeing – it's no different, I think, than, than a lot of things. This is becoming a crowded space. And so within – when you have a crowded space – I first started, I think I had a half a screen of pot stocks. I've got five screens now on my computer of pot stocks. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. it's becoming crowded. As an investor, what am I going to buy? I don't know. Where am I getting my information from? All these various things. So, yes, I think there's an aspect that – um, promotion in the sense of making yourself aware to the investor marketplace of what you're doing and what your activities are up to, I think it's very important. And when I looked at that as an investor, I do want to speak to um, the CEO and I want to hear, yes, we have um, appropriate channels where we're making our company aware to the investor community. I think that's important. I didn't hear now, you well with your shareholders sorry, I think, company message. Pardon me? I said I get that. You do owe it to your shareholders to get the company's message out. It's just in the OTC, here we see that's all that happens a lot, and that's frustrating. Well, exactly, and that's why, listeners, please look at the filings. If you see you know, when the line items are you know, advertising and promotion is your biggest kind of line item in the quarterlies, you know, that's kind of sometimes a signal of, yeah, maybe they're just spending all their money you know, promoting. Oh, I see where that volume came from. You know, um, and look, at, that's what happens in all, any sector that is experiencing what this is experiencing. Um, capital flows, huge investor interest. This pot stock boom has brought in people to the marketplace that never invested before. I get messages from people, you know, moms at home thanking me um, because I've learned how to trade stocks and buy pot stocks. And I'm making money. Um, so with that, you have naivety in the market. You have people who are not experienced. They don't kind of understand the various aspects. Um, and so these are some of the things that all investors should do is do well, your due diligence. You that's know? why this show exists. 
This show is born and, out and of and listen to the, and listen to shows people. like this. Heck, most companies have a have an investor relations person at their company that you can call up and talk to, hear about their business. What are they doing? When do they anticipate revenue? All these various things. So, these are what people should be doing. I know. I just don't want to hear from the. I just want to hear from the CEO. I'm with, I'm like you say. You know, it's great. The investor relations people are awesome, but I want to. I want to see the numbers and then hear from the CEO. Yeah, generally, you know what? I was interested you say because I, 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 I'm not going to name the company, but I called a company um, recently, and I wanted to talk to the CEO, and, and the person says um, he's busy, but um, I've looked at his schedule. He can call you back um, three weeks Tuesday at 12 o'clock, and I'm like, are you serious? Right. Like, it's going to take three weeks to call me yeah. back? Let me see what and his then schedule I looks like. That the this, first is, this, is, this is a true story. And then I kind of look and I go – and I said to him, you know what? That kind of explains why your company in the marketplace has been such a laggard. It shouldn't take anybody three weeks to call back someone who is a potential investor in your company, right? So, yeah. um, again, these are all – Might as well just say, no, he's not calling you back than to say – Exactly. And actually, he never did. <laughs> So, so you, you kind because of, we got about five minutes left. You touched on, you know, that there are some pick and axe companies that are going to make it here. You know, companies that aren't licensed producers, but like in the gold rush, they produce the Levi's jeans that the miners needed. Who are those companies that you think people should have their eye on outside of the production? Besides Luxaria, which is a former guest that people are. Absolutely. Right. So, like some of the companies, like again, you know, in the CBD space, is is you know what companies should be looking at. Um, for disclosure to your listeners, I'm a director of a, of a of a company called Liberty Leaf, which is on the CSE under LIB. And right. again, it's a company that is in. You're seeing um, a lot of business incubators because the Canadian markets have allowed the capital to be raised. Whereas maybe there's more difficulty that in in the American marketplace. So, um, Liberty Leaf is one of those companies that is is investing in kind of a global marketplace. So they have um, a project with um, a CBD and a research develop in Israel, um, where they're doing they're going to be doing testing for on their proprietary strain for um, health benefits for pets which is becoming a huge marketplace, and anybody can Google some of these stories that you're seeing about um, vets and people that are giving some of these products to their pets and seeing success. So they're doing things like that and also looking in, uh, in, in the California marketplace where at the end of the day, really, California is the, probably the biggest market per se in North America, bigger than Canada, right? There's only yeah. you know, 35, 36 million people here, and that state pretty much has, uh, has more people than all of Canada. So, and they're progressive in this. So there are vehicles out there of companies that are, again, in the peripheral space doing many different things. So um, I mentioned a few today, and certainly your listeners can, um, can go and do some research and, uh, and see um, what else is out there, right? Absolutely. I don't worry about it. All right, Stephen Feldman, check him out at Canada Pot Stocks. Anything? What's going on in your world now? Any events you're going to be a part of you want people to know about, websites that people should be following you on? Well, certainly, look at have um, – I, I, you know, I put out – I barely sleep. So 
Um, <laughs> you don't, you know, listeners don't need to hunt around and look for information. If it's if it's making news in the cannabis world in North America, global, etc., I'm putting that out on Canada Pot Stocks, and I put out generally every company press release in the variety of spaces. Um, in the Canada pot stock world, so not just LPs, variety of things. So there's lots of information to be had there. And look at, I stress to all listeners, look at, you know, people have to, there's a lot of new people in this space. You have to do your due diligence. Um, you have to do your research. Look at the filings. You know, read things, call people, talk to people, get a feel of this um, because there are some pitfalls and there's some things to look for. But in the general big picture, we're looking at, you know, really a fabulous time to be investing in this space because I think we're going to see, you know, we're at, we're, we're at the birth of a new industry, right? And, All right. I just came up with a great last question for you. So you've talked a lot about due diligence and doing research. Where, if people are looking at Canadian companies, do they do their, you know, where do you get your best information from? For instance, we look at Edgar Filings. Where right. are okay, you so, looking for? So the the Canadian equivalent to Edgar is Cedar, S E D A R dot com. There you go. Okay, that's Listeners, where every Canadian else, company has to file. It's on there. If you learn nothing that's else tonight, our, listeners, you can find yep. your OTC non-reporting Canadian companies if you do your research on the Canadian exchange. And there you go, some more information from Stephen Feldman. So good shit. All right, Steve, listen, we hope to have you on more as we get closer to recreational legalization in Canada. Hopeful for July of 2018. Thank you for being a part of Potstock Radio. Have you back soon. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Good night. All right. Stephen Feldman, check him out at Canada Potstocks on Twitter. And we are going to go right from one guest to another. And we are leaving Stephen Feldman, and we are going to go to John Pa, CEO of Grow Blocks Sciences. Check him out, the OTC there, GBLX. John Poss, welcome to Potstock Radio. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Oh, glad to have you, man. Thank you for taking some time out. Where are you calling from? What time of the day is it where you are? I am in New Braunfels, Texas, and it is 8 p.m. All right. Not bad. You're only one hour behind us. We need to start asking that question yep. more. Well, yeah. When I don't know, I ask. All right. And here's what I want to ask you because oh. uh, you sound like an interesting guy, but we want to know. We've done research on you online. What is the one thing about John Post that no one would ever know by researching you online? Something interesting about you. Maybe you uh, rode rodeo when you were younger. Maybe you were a college football star. What should we know about John Post without looking at LinkedIn? I'm, I'm proud to say that I sold peanuts at Colt 45 Stadium in 1962, the first year the Houston Astros were a major league baseball team. Oh, shit. You went back on us. <laughs> And I am wearing an Astros hat right now. I am a long-suffering Astros fan. <laughs> and it's that it's that yellow and orange uh, horizontal stripes with just the blue star in the middle hat that you're wearing then? No, it's the blue hat with the star in the middle and the orange bill. Oh, I thought I you were going to go old school, back to the 1962 days. <laughs> no, no, no. But I do go back. I am old school. Like I said, I'm probably one of the longest suffering Astros fans on the planet. I'm but listen, I you're love talking them. to Philly guys. 
So we got to live the Nolan Ryan, Steve Carlton experience together. Something to bond on. Yes. Uh, The Astros did Nolan Ryan wrong when they let him go to the Rangers. But that's another story. He should have ended in Houston, not ended up on another team in Texas. I'm with you. Yep. But yep. get the, we get to go watch him kick some ass at the mound. I was going to say that. I'll never forget that moment when oh, that guy ran out the Love mound. that. So it made me love Norm Ryan after hating him all those years. All right, so on from Houston Astros, interesting information about John Postle. Peanuts at the first Astros game. Let's talk a little bit about Grow Block Sciences. You can check them out on Twitter, GBS Sciences, Inc. First question, name was Grow Block Sciences, now GB Sciences, Correct. That is absolutely correct. In fact, FINRA finally approved our name change today. Uh, we, the, the shareholders approved it in October. SEC approved it in probably December, and it's taken FINRA this long to finally approve it. But today it's official. Wow. We are GB Sciences. Long time to do things. Halts seem to happen quickly. So ironic. They can do some things quickly. Um, yeah. So – I've been watching Grow Block Sciences because they're one of the companies that I I don't like to fall in love with companies on the OTC because it's a dangerous relationship to get into. But I've been a fan of your technology for a long time. So give us a little bit of an idea of what's happening with the technology along with your move towards biopharma research and development. What triggered that and what are the goals with biopharma? Well, you know, that's, that's a complicated question, Eric, but we, we uh, I joined the company two years ago. As you know, the company went, uh, went public uh, through a reverse merger about three, three and a half years ago, yep. and it was really founded on the basis, by, it was founded by Craig Ellens and, and on the basis of his Growbox technology, which was a suite of products designed to really bring precision and control and a lot of technology to cultivation of cannabis. Uh, the problem was that, uh, you know, the company had raised $5 million, I think, in their initial public offering or their, their work when they did the, the, the uh, transition. And, and uh, they just couldn't get it built. And it couldn't get the Growbox technology built. And it, we had when I arrived in the company, they were, uh, you know, the technology was in China and it was having all sorts of problems getting it completed and various systems problems. There were a lot of moving parts and it was really complex technology. And the company had run short on money and, and uh, had, in the meantime, gained a, been able to obtain a cultivation license in uh, in Las Vegas, and so I. I was brought in to kind of fix it, to try and figure out how we could make something out of this company because it had a lot of great ideas, a lot of great people, uh, but had uh, run out of money. And, and I looked at the cultivation. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. And so I looked and saw the cultivation license, and then I looked and looked at the uh, – the Growblox technology, and I said, it's going to take a lot of money to bring that technology home and get it to market. And uh, there's so many opportunities in the cannabis space. We need to go towards uh, a path towards cash flow 
and and uh, and success in this emerging and really dynamic industry. And, and I also looked at something they had done. They hadn't made a lot of noise about, but they should have made more noise. Is their research? They had they had been very fortunate in uh, hiring a brilliant chief uh, chief science author named Andrea Doctor Andrea Small Howard had a PhD in uh, microbiology from USC, and she had uh, been able to recruit some of her colleagues at a couple of universities to help her in research. And they'd been screening various uh, drug, comp- various cannabis compounds against disease cell lines in vitro, and had some really just quite impressive results. And not, not having spent much money, they had a lot of really encouraging results. And I said, you know, I can. We're in the ditch. I can try and arm wrestle this machine out of the ditch and create a manufacturing company. Or I can cultivate cannabis and develop the the pharmacide because the the, com, the potential for pharmaceutical opportunities in, 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 with cannabis are, are immense, are limitless. Uh, and, not to mention. Uh, so, sorry. Yeah, what I was gonna, I was going to say, I always loved your technology, but that was my question with it was, it felt like cannabis seemed to more be a race to the bottom in price. And I always wondered, as great as the technology was, where do you make up for the cost of the technology? So I get where a shift to where it's easy. People, not easy, but easier. You don't have to convince someone that they need to spend money on something they don't believe they need. Now you're spending money on proving that the research you've done has value and could turn into... And, 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 and I'll tell you one thing about the technology. It has a place. In fact, it's, it's, uh, we have uh, completed it, actually. I, we, we found a partner who was interested in the technology, and, right. and uh, we, we uh, ultimately right now, right now, today as we speak, we have a grow blocks in, at J-Bill Engineering in uh, Florida where they're running through all the systems tests, and we're going to proceed with that technology but do it through a subsidiary with its own funding. So that, that we think it has a home in research, not necessarily a home, uh, at least in the near future, in major yeah. large-scale cultivation. But, but, but for really the understanding cannabis and doing deep research in cannabis, it's a, it's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful piece of technology. That does make sense. So when you need to know you've produced exactly the same plant, there's no better way to do that than having them isolated and growing independently. So yeah. that makes sense for research yeah. purposes. So, so the tech we haven't we didn't give up on it, but we re- redirected our focus and found another way to bring it forward. So, it, it, the technology exists. It, 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 it looks pretty good, and we think it has home in research, but it's not our major focus. Our major focus is building uh, GMP pharmaceutical grade cultivation and extraction facilities, developing compounds that are efficacious in treating specific diseases being a patient-focused comp- company that wants to bring, be part of the transition of cannabis to medicine. And, and that's who we are today. And, Makes sense. Uh, and we're making great progress. We filed, uh, we were able to convince, you know, when I found out what we had, I, 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 my experience is not deep in cannabis. Cannabis, I've only been in the business a couple of years. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm kind of an old guy, 69 years old so 
you got to show me. And uh, so I took the science, the research that we've done, and I went to some of my friends at Fenwick and West, which is a pretty good intellectual property firm. They represent Apple and Google and Pfizer Pharmaceutical. And I said, is this stuff any good? Do I have any patents in there? And can we write some defensible patents from this? And they said, wow, you, you, you got something here. And so we became their first, we became Fenwick and West's first cannabis uh, client, and, and they're writing patents right now. We've written uh, three so far. We've acquired two more. We've got seven or eight more to write. So we're, uh, we're, uh, we're developing a pretty good intellectual property portfolio, and 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 these are these are, all of these patents uh, embrace the entourage effect. You know, Andrea is a very bright young woman, and and she uh, is a big fan of Raphael the Shulam, and so she, we actually tested multiple combinations of compounds in vitro, and 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 against against disease like this, uh, disease cells and got astounding results and so now we're right we just hired a CRO to help us figure out how we're going to uh, in what order we should take these patents through uh, the uh, process and when I say a process there are multiple processes available to us we can go the FDA route which is the longest and most expensive and most arduous or in some cases we can go the nutraceutical route which is a little less difficult or we can even start our offering compounds and dispensaries. So, so we have to decide what we're going to do with all this stuff that we figure out, and it's 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 fun. It's a really fun process to go through. And now, tell us about the uh, twenty-eight thousand square foot facility in Nevada that's being built right now. Will that have Growblox technology in the facility, or is that not the direction the facility is going? That's not the direction the facility is going. But the, the, frankly, the, I mean, if it had been ready, we would have put it in there, but it wasn't ready. And okay. when I arrived, it was a, an empty warehouse and we had a lot of work to do. So we developed clean room technology. So we, uh, we uh, have, I think, a very, most people who visit it say it's the most impressive facility they've been in. It's, it's small now. We opened with 200 lights. Uh, we'll have our first spin completed uh, at the end of this month, and we've already started expansion to bring it up to about 560 lights, uh, but all using clean room technology, GMP, you know, good manufacturing practices as, as required by the FDA for, for ingredients and drugs. And we're, we're building, we acquired a production license. We're, we're just about done installing that at the same uh, facility and that will operate under GMP as well, which means that we will truly produce pharmaceutical grade cannabis and, and cannabis oils. And how does that work? Because I was under the impression that being a publicly traded company, because it's still federally illegal, that companies weren't allowed to touch the plant. So how does it work that you can do that with still being publicly traded? You know, uh, we filed uh, the S one. The 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 the, the S one was filed before I got here, and the SEC approved it. And I okay. perhaps they approved it on the basis of it being uh, agriculture, primarily agricultural technology at the time. But uh, but we are in fact cultivating cannabis, and we're going to process it and, and, and cr- 
create uh, create medical compounds uh, based on our patented uh, um, drugs, and we'll see what happens. John, my question for you is uh, what separates Growblocks Technologies from other companies that are already doing the self-automated cultivation like Leaf and Cedo? Um, what really pushes Growblocks further ahead than other companies? Well, I think, I think the thing that's kind of interesting about Growblocks is that we're grounded in science from top to bottom. You know, let's talk for a minute about the way that we developed our compounds. We ran, a, a, working with universities, ran extensive computer mo- predictive computer modeling to determine what combinations of compounds might be efficacious in treating specific disease groups. We had about 15 disease groups we identified. And, and, uh, and we, based on that modeling, we actually did the results in the lab using rapid, uh, rapid testing. We're able to screen a lot of compounds very quickly. We identified compounds that, uh, that were in vitro, at least in a, in a Petri dish, highly effective. And we found maybe one of the best intellectual property firms in the world and wrote defendable patents. We're writing very well-screened, lots of work on prior art uh, compounds. And, and, and so now we've got the patents. Now we're building a facility that, although we can't technically operate under GMP until uh, we have a drug and, or until cannabis is legal, we can mimic GMP. We can do everything that we can to be GMP before we're required to be. And, and, and so we cultivate under those kind of pharmaceutical-grade standards, and we do the same thing with our extraction. And so we, produ- we truly produce pharmaceutical-grade cannabis I don't know that there's another clean room operation in the United States. There certainly are some in Canada, and and but but uh, you know there are a lot of ways to grow uh, pot, right? We don't grow it in in dirt pots. We 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 have a uh, you know we have a very sophisticated state of the art facility, which means I like that the it. ingredients that, the ingredients that we produce can be trusted. Uh, you know, in term, in trusted in terms of consistency, trusted in terms of the uh, the quality control factors, and free of contaminants, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, I mean, we we announced we have two we have two marketing strategies. I know I'm maybe I'm not answering your question. Uh, no, I well, like but, it. Giving good information, but, but, I thought it really mattered. Yeah, yeah, I like it. We 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 have two really sort of marketing strategies. Okay. On the one hand, we're going to produce compounds that are efficacious in treating specific diseases. We've already filed a, par- a patent on a Parkinson's compound. We, we filed a mast cell modulation patent, which treats, which is a compound, a series of compounds for uh, for uh, inflammation. We fi- we acquired a base compa- a, a base patent, a core patent. On, on heart hypertrophy, which is one of the leading killers of people today, uh, heart disease. And we were laying on top of that a uh, patent that, that describes specific compounds that 
can actually, we believe, shrink a swollen heart, which has yet never been done. And, and uh, so that's one piece of who we are. And the other piece of who we are is we're producing this pharmaceutical-grade compound. Why don't we become a trusted ingredient in leading infused products? And we, we actually signed a deal today with Cush Cups, announced, signed it last week, announced today to deal with Cush Cups, where we're going to be the distributor in, in, in Nevada. And we're planning to sign additional brands of infused products where we'll, we'll be like the Intel inside. Uh, we have a, there, there's a product that has a trusted source of cannabis in it, and, and uh, you can and, and the consumer be confident they're getting consistent quality, uh, precise dosing, uh, uh, just just you know comfort. And when you say that, are you talking about licensing your patents? When you say the other form of revenue, revenue is that going to be licensing your patents to other people, or when you we say have Intel inside? Yes, we will, in fact. Uh, we haven't started that process, but we will, in fact. We have been approached. Uh, people have come into our CR facility and have actually said, will you manage ours? Will you help us build ours? And will you, you, know, will you license your products? And so we have an opportunity to create, I won't call them franchises, but we'll call them distributors in, in, uh, in multiple states. And we, and we also, by the way, you know, we're like the old Texan that had a, that started buying land, and somebody said, "What are you trying to do, John? Buy all the land?" He said, "No, I'm just trying to buy the land next to mine." And and uh, and and so we we're we're about to acquire a license or two in California. We uh, we bid to be LSU's partner in Louisiana. We've acquired a license in, or, or we've uh, applied for a license in Texas. Uh, we have uh, we've been approached by some folks who want us to help them develop a very large greenhouse operation on over 80,000 acres in northern Nevada. I mean, there's just so many opportunities out there. If you do things right, people notice. And you don't have to go out and sell. They come knocking on your door. And people have been coming to knock on our door. Well, you talked a lot about patents, and I love companies that invest in intellectual property. So just to clarify, because I know you said you know patents, and we've got them. But when I was looking, it looks like most of the patents that you have are still provisional patents. So my yeah, question yeah, is, we have, how close are oh, sorry. Yeah, well, we, we acquired two issued patents. And those utility are all part process? Are they utility they're, or they're, business they're, process? No, they're not business process. They're they describe compounds, medical compounds. Okay. The utility. And and that would that uh, we acquired those acquired those from Mackay Technology, and then we have we have two provisional patents that we've three provisional patents we've applied for. We've got a patent pipeline with six more. Uh, we're doing this sequentially instead of doing them all at once. Uh, but that, that's the best that Do you believe that every provisional no. will lead to a full utility application, or is it like file provisionals and then we're planting seeds to see what grows in the next 12 well, months? I, well, I think it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I, it's my great fortune or misfortune to 
have a couple of patents myself and have done some international patent licensing work for a number of years and, and also been involved in some patent litigation. So who knows what the patent office is, is going to say. And, and uh, we, we, we did the research. The research is sound. We think it's novel. Uh, the inventions are novel. Uh, we think that, they, uh, that they're grounded in good science. With, they're, they're not let's throw compounds against the wall and see if anything sticks. There's, there's yeah. actual good sound numbers and, and research behind each of them. So do I think they have a, a good chance? I think they have a good chance because Finlickin West does a good job of, of, of researching prior art, and they certainly have written a patent before. And, and that's why I went to a good patent firm because I didn't want to just throw crap against the wall. I know and, how that works. And, uh, yeah, you know how that works. Everyone who knows their sense patents knows how that works. Like so, you, um, I own a couple myself and have dealt with litigation and understand that the patent is only good as the attorney who wrote it because it's really about defending it once you get it, not getting it. So I get that. That's, and if you'll call what I said, I wanted to make sure that our patents could be defensible. <laughs> I did. I heard that. And, and, what it's and, all about. And, that, and based on good science and pass the smell test from, from I, I, I think Fenwick's pretty pretty good patent firm compared you know compared to most and and so I feel good about them. I feel good. Well, and, the one I read the most up on. You've got one that's called CCCM, the cannabinoid-containing complex mixtures. And what was interesting about it is it's like what it says is it can help inflammation, anything from an insect bite to chronic arthritis. And I'm like, wow, to be able to have a patent filed that covers that broad of a range of something is somewhat unique. Well, well you also know that you want to make broad claims in a patent it's a claim, any claim you can support you want to make yeah. right yes. and, and 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 there are actually two of those patents if i'm not mistaken and and uh and it's basically it's a mast cell modulation patent right and and, and I, i'm not a, i'm not a scientist but i i uh what I understand is mast cells are involved in any number of mechanisms that involve inflammation in the body. And inflammation is one of those conditions that is involved in a broad range of diseases. Yeah. Anything from arthritis to the inflammation that your skin has when it receives a bat, uh, when it gets an insect bite or a scratch. Uh, inflammation is involved in Crohn's disease, for example. Yeah, your gut. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a, what happens is cells get out of sorts and get angry and they start, uh, you know, misbehaving. And and we've discovered we described I think in those patents ten different compounds that we felt would be efficacious in mitigating the symptoms and or possibly eliminating the symptoms associated with those diseases. But, you know, everything looks good. Lots of stuff looks good in the Petri dish, Eric, you know. Yep. And, and until we really get some human data, it's going to be hard to, to get real excited. We certainly feel good about what we've done. The real stick handling is going to be how do we move these compounds through a human process where we can really demonstrate their efficaciousness. And there are ways to do that without the FDA, and there are ways to do it with the FDA. 
and and the WIF, the FDA, has a big pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and, and the the without the FDA still can be very attractive and, and help a lot of patients. Well, you hit my next question, nailed it right on the head, and that was clinical trials. Tell me about uh, clinical trials and, and where the company is at with them. Uh, we, we, we just hired a CR. We're having our second annual science meeting next week. Got lots of really interesting folks coming in, and, and, and including our, uh, you know, some of our advisors. And about, uh, about three months ago, we hired a CRO, a clinical research organization. Uh, and, and we hired them not to plan a clinical trial, but to tell us which child to plan. That is, you know, if you've got a, a, a drug discovery pipeline with so many opportunities in it like we do, and we've got two issued patents, two or three provisionals, and seven or eight more provisionals on their way, how you decide where to start, what should be your first drug? And so I, I, I hired a worldwide clinical trials, I think is the name of it, and they're pretty well-known CRO. And I said, which one of – we have all these compounds described. What's the best path to market for each one of them? Which one of them is the top target to do, uh, to do a FDA route? Is there an orphan drug opportunity in there? Is there more than one orphan drug? Is there some other uh, exceptional process, uh, characteristics of one of these compounds that might give it some advantages? What else is in the market? What else is, you know, what other drugs are in trials that we, we would be competing with? What's the market size of that of, for that particular condition? And, and I, so I wanted someone who really understood from, from the pharmaceutical industry and the clinical trial process to help us discern what the right first step is. I have a simple philosophy in life, do the next right thing. And, and if you don't have the information you need to decide what the next right thing is, you're in big trouble. And so sure. we went and found a third party to help us, help us analyze and decide which, which drug goes to trial first. We plan on taking whatever that winner is, and we hope to have the winner in another week or so uh, from when we, after the science meeting. We're going to take that trial, that, that drug, to uh, phase one, towards phase one. And obviously that means we, we'll start the, pre, the preclinical work. We haven't started the preclinical work. You know, Andrea was so excited about the compounds, and she wanted to launch into preclinical work on a couple of the drugs immediately. I said, no, 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 no. You know, that may be a, 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 a dead end. You know, we, we don't have, let's face it, we're a penny stock, and, and our resources are limited. we got to make good decisions. And, and so let's, let's hear what the expert, our third-party expert says about what the right drug would be. And I'm hoping, and I already know, in fact, that we have at least one orphan drug opportunity. And, but I'm hoping we get that confirmed. I'm thinking there might even be two. So it's likely going to be some inflammation-related uh, orphan condition. But I can't say for certain. But we're thinking Here's what about I, say. I think the right way, Eric. Hmm? I like the way you think. Yes. I'm going to say that 
by the way, we're talking to John Poss, CEO of Grow Block Sciences. They've put the right person in charge because I like a slower talking Southern guy who comes into what sounds like it was a little bit of a clusterfuck because they were so key on their technology, which it's hard when you're, it's kind of like go back to baseball. When you draft someone in the first round and you're the GM that did it, you kind of got to stick with that guy. Where when a new GM comes in, they can go, that was someone else's focus. Now as the new person in charge, here's where we need to focus now. You know, you can't, if you don't, if you have limited resources and your your company's running short of funds, you can't run after every shiny object. Error. You know, you you gotta you gotta pick where you spend what you got and and pick it very carefully, and 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 try and be thoughtful about the way you do things. I, but but don't get me wrong, Craig Ellens was is a brilliant man. He he planted the seeds of the of the technology. He planted the seeds and of this research that we described that I described. You yep. know, I am not I am not a visionary. I'm just you know a, a mechanic who's coming in here and 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 making Craig Ellen's vision a reality. Yeah, and, fixing and, what he's little fixing and steering the ship in the right direction. That sounds like what the company needed. And from you know talking to you, it sounds like you've at least got a good, not just vision of the future, but you're bringing the right people in. You've got a, a, a right change towards what's possible for revenue instead of what's going to cost the company more money, which is for possible investors or current investors. It's like, okay, they've been pre-revenue. Now I see where revenue could come from instead of technology that they're just going to have to keep spending on. You know, I, I uh, but sometimes there's advantages being dumb, Eric. You know, and I, yeah, I, 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 I take advantage I, of them. So yeah, <laughs> that, and, and 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 I saw all of this wonderful science, the medical science. I saw all this wonderful technology, and I saw an opportunity to grow cannabis and 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 sell it for cash. And you know what, John? Do you know what? We've still never heard anyone say, we grew all this pot. What are we going to do with it? It's going to sell and you're going to make money. It's when they try to get cute and, you know, we're going to make the best CBD extraction. It's like, no, just grow good pot and bring revenue in. Which you guys. Yeah. So what? Yeah, well, I'm trying to create two companies, if you will. You know, one company is we grow pharmaceutical grade cannabis. It's a trusted ingredient. You know, you can count on it for consistency and blah 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 blah, and it'll all be true. And on the other while, I'm trying to build a moonshot, and the moonshot it is is the medicine. You know, yeah. and 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 on the moonshot side, we're going to reach an inflection point pretty soon. Well, I'll probably spin it out into a separate company, all right? And I'll have a really strong cash flow cannabis company that produces good stuff. And I haven't even talked about tissue culture, by the way. But but uh, but and we should. I don't know how much time we have this evening, but but uh, we've, we we've got another twenty like. minutes, and we we've got people who work at. Uh, dispensaries in Jersey that are a little interested in tissue culture. So, yeah. So anyway, so so on one side, a solid cash flow company. 
We're going to have yep. licenses in multiple states, and we're going to also have uh, relationships with with uh, growers and, and producers in states that were not licensed, either through licensing our compounds or something. So that that's the cash flow company. And on the medical side, we're going to get this thing advanced with as, as cheaply as possible to a point that it gets some traction and we have demonstrable results. And then that company will be able to go live on its own and, and find its own funding. Because uh, uh, let's face it, a clinical trial, we're talking big, big numbers. And, yeah. and, 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 and so that, and, and, and we will retain a, a and we will retain a large interest, if not control, in that moonshot, and we will be the ingredient supplier to that moonshot company should it bring a drug to market. So and for current owners, for current owners of the stock, there's no chance. Like if you spin off, people who own your stock now will be taking advantage of any company that spins from Growbox, correct? Yes, we, we we will not spin it. We, we won't spin it off. We will spin it okay. out. Got it. We will retain a control block. So that's our shareholders will retain a control block in the company that is created from the science. Now, now that's yeah. not a guarantee. There's there's lots of there's lots of road between us and that inflection point yet, but that's the sense of what I think we're going to do. All right. Now, now, can I turn the tissue a little bit? Yeah, but let me just ask one question because what investors uh, always worry about when it's a company that is, you know, not showing great revenue, is what debt is out there that's becoming due soon. Do you, as coming into the company, what should we be, as possible or future current investors, be concerned about with debt? We don't have any. Really, I love. Really, you say we you have, don't have any. Have, you got that technology to that point without having debt weighing you down. What we did, Craig uh, did a deal with a company called Pacific Leaf, and he incurred about two point seven million debt. Um, uh, the we the debt was in uh, con, it was convertible into common. The the lender converted their common and converted their debt into common. We have maybe two million dollars of convertible notes uh, that we just issued in conjunction with the LSU bid because we needed to put up a million dollar bid bond for that. But but that debt will I'm comfortable that it too will be converted. Uh, but in terms of any other debt, there's there's no secured debt. There's no leases. There's you know. Look, I, 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 I'm 69 years old. I used to be at one point in time a CPA. I've been working. I've been fixing broke companies for broken companies for 40 years. You know, I, we try not to. We try. I don't want to die from any self-inflicted wounds, Eric. <laughs> I don't want you to, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And debt can be a very seriously self-inflicted, very serious self-inflicted wound if you're not careful. Def- uh, that's what I see as the dagger of most companies that, you know, we, we talk to the CEOs, they've got a great plan. I really believe 
that they believe that they're going to be able to execute the plan. And then that debt is what a lot of times just weighs them down. And it's like crack. They can't not take it sometimes. And then when they do, it kills them. So very good to hear you guys are pretty debt free, which is huge. Yeah. Remember, I said we just did a $2 million convertible note. All right. But, 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 I haven't spent the money yet. It's it went, you know, a million of it went up as a deposit on a bid bond. So I when's ain't that spending to, that. When's that note due to convert? It's a three-year note. Uh, okay. It converts at it converts at uh, I think thirty-five cents, and so or and so, or no, twenty-five cents. And so I'm if if it, our stock isn't the attractive convert in three years at twenty-five cents, I'm going to go shoot myself. <laughs> that's another self-inflicted wound. You'll do that one yourself that's at that time. Self- <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's going to be a problem because we're we're uh, we're expanding Tico. We're, uh, we're the our cultivation soy. Our first. We're we're going to be at about a I don't know two hundred to three hundred thousand dollar a month run rate starting in June. And then the expansion will be completed by the end of the year, which will kick us up to about a million dollar a month run rate. And 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 with the other license opportunities we have, you know, we'll be at a easily twenty million run rate in twelve to fifteen months. Which means that if two million dollars debt a convertible note is a problem, I did a really bad job. <laughs> Ah, I love to hear someone with debt under control. All right, that was my final stock question. So, talk a little bit about tissue culture. Cool. We we uh, Craig, another thing, brilliant thing that Craig did. He hired a, a botanist, a PhD botanist from Germany, and Ulrich Ren Phillips, and Ulrich and, and 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 Craig recognized, and you know, with with the technology that he was developing. The technology was was really dependent on the cannabis. His whole notion was to 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 grow the same plant over and over again. You needed to be able to preserve the genetics because you know genetic drift exists if you clone and and clone and clone from clones, et cetera. After three or four generations, you've got a different plant. And if you're going to produce medicines with specific ratios of uh, cannabinoids and terpenes, you need to have be re, have a reliable source of, of the approximation of those ratios anyway, from plant to plant. So you needed to be able to preserve your genetics, and, and over time. And so, and, and there's nothing really magical about tissue replication or tissue propagation. It's done for many many other plants, and and and. So he, he uh, uh, Ulrich brought that technology to our industry, and so right now we can rep, we can we can replicate a plant, take a cutting from a a, a a specific type of cutting from a plant, and put that in a petri dish, and put it in the freezer, and pull it out ten years later, and have the same plant. And we can if we if we create our new our new plants from that, then they're going to be identical to the mother. Over and over and over and over again with no genetic draft. And so the, we've got that tissue culture technology refined to the point where it's, uh, 
it's, it's, it's good in the lab, and we can do it at a small scale. But if we're going to be industrial scale in our t- tissue replication, we're going to need some help. That's why we bid on the LSU deal. LSU's Ag Center, which is responsible for cannabis in Louisiana, LSU's Ag Center is one of the best places on the planet to do tissue replication. And they, they scaled it for sweet potatoes and rice and, and several other uh, types of plants, and they're chomping at the bit to take our tissue culture and commercialize it. And, of course, we will be a beneficiary of that if they're, if they're successful. But we got to win the bid at LSU to get to do that. So we're crossing our fingers and hope we win. And then we can take this lab-scale tissue culture and turn it to commercial scale, which means when we get these other licenses in other states or have these relationships with cultivators in other states, we can grow identical plants over and over and over and over again with no genetic drift. You gotta and then explain. The, you gotta have, From my understanding, the, the mother is very important in that process, the mother plant. But can you just keep reproducing? Yeah, the initial cutting, the initial tissue that you extract from the mother plant is the – and then what you can do, which really is interesting, is you can sterilize that tissue to eliminate any systemic inherited diseases. So – all plants have some diseases that are systemic that are inherited, and some plants are strong enough to overcome them, and they don't become a problem. Other plants, they don't. They die, they, or they suffer from the systemic problem. With tissue replication, tissue propagation, you can take that tissue, and you can sterilize it, and you can create sterile tissue, which you can freeze dry, and, and you can recreate that mother 10 years later. I don't know, John. I think – I think you were playing the dumb role a little bit earlier. You sound pretty smart all of a sudden. When you're earlier, you're like, ah, sometimes being dumb helps. All yeah. of a sudden, we're talking tissue culture. You don't sound too dumb anymore. No, no, Eric, listen. I don't know anything. I just repeat what I hear. I hear you. That's my game, Phil. <laughs> you do it well, John Poss. So let's take the last five minutes to just go anything we didn't cover that you want to get out there or – you know, a- any company-related news that you want us to touch on? Or? Well, I certainly, I mean, I've just kind of told you what our plans are. That's what I'm saying, though. Sometimes when I ask the questions at the end, I'm like, all right, what didn't I cover that you would have wanted me to ask you? You got anything? Well, Throw it out there. I, I got to tell you that this is the most fun. I'm, I, as I say, I'm an old, old guy, and, 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 this is the most fun I've ever had working, <laughs> ever. And I've had some really, I've done some really cool things in the past. Better than but this wait, industry, this is better this than industry. At the, at the oh, it, 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 well, that was pretty fun. But, but that did but, sound pretty. But, I thought you were talking about being on yeah. Bus Talk Radio. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> my my uh, my 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 granddaughters and grandson. Uh, or excuse me, my, my daughters and son tell their children, just say no to Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa's in the pot. That's a good question. Say no to Grandpa. As a 69-year-old guy who all of a sudden got into cannabis, where's the most resistance come 
from in your world, like older buddies who can't believe now you're pro pot or family members or previous employers who's pulling at your strings. Yeah, you know what? No, nobody, nobody's negative. You know, I will, it, 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 listen, the genie is out of the bottle, you know, yeah. uh, uh, cannabis is here for a long, long time. It's a beautiful plant with wonderful municipal qualities. And we're just now learning how to exploit them. This industry has a long run. You know, this industry is – the only thing missing from this industry is rational regulation and, and at a federal level. And it needs that. And, and hopefully the numb nuts in Washington will figure it out sooner or later. But, but the, 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 Fingers the regulatory – yeah, the regulatory ambiguity is, is the only thing holding this industry back, and it will be resolved. Yeah, I know it will resolve because the, the, the pop, popular opin, opinion is overwhelmingly supportive, as, as you know. I don't have to tell you that. So I, I just think it's a great industry. It's got a long run in front of it. There are going to be miraculous co- things come out of that plant uh, that are going to help lots and lots of people. And and I'm just I'm, I'm a 17 year cancer survivor, and I am so delighted to have the opportunity, at uh, you know at my age to pay back all of those scientists who created the drugs that kept me alive for 17 years, and pay back the people and and pay back patients. I I know what it's like to need a drug and not be able to get it because of red tape or whatever, and and I, I you know I came I was three weeks from being dead. 17 years ago, and here I am. So I'm just a really grateful. I'm just, I can't tell you how grateful I am to just to just have the opportunity to participate in this industry. It's just fun. Love it, John Poss, CEO, Grow Block Science, or now GB Sciences. Find them on the OTC GBLX. Check them out on Twitter. GB Sciences is Inc. And then their website is GrowBlocks.com. And we're, we're going to have a new website. We're going to have a new website in May that tells who we are. Our, our our current website is a bit of a mishmash combination of what we were and Craig's vision and the technology. But we'll have the real story up in May. Come back on Potstock Radio. Talk about it as you guys progress. Good luck and a wonderful guest on Potstock Radio. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed it. Anytime, John. Have a good night. That is CEO of GB Sciences, John Poss. Really was, did sound like not our average CEO. He was right away just soft-talking, slow-talking Southern guy, but got the message out. I just got out of the evolutionary biology class last semester, so I was all over the uh, gene drift. Okay. (laughs) All right. That's a pretty interesting topic. Dealing with some uh, at the... Well, I deal with some of that at the grow right, right now. So I I didn't know that anybody was trying to do that. Well, know, Nick because Nick told right. me about it like yeah. a month ago. He's like, dude, there's tissue I mean, culture gene happening. Gene drift happens on you know there are many uh, mechanisms that make gene drift happen. Oh, dude, you yeah. probably your but family was we, handsome we like four <laughs> generations yeah. ago. Yeah. But that's, but it's, that's pretty cool that they're trying to do the plants. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Your family looked like Fabio in the 1800s, you know, and the gene drifted, and now look at you. <laughs> well, well, one thing I was thinking about when I was listening to both interviews. Okay. Know, 
um, when we were sitting when I was sitting in, here in this chair two years ago, we didn't really know how the government was going to get involved with vape. Yeah. And you know, just regular vaping in general. Yeah. You know, it's my industry. It's, it's what I'm what I'm in. I don't even know if you guys know this, but, you know, like six months ago, they finally passed that bill. It goes into effect this September. So there's been there's been a huge shift in the vaping industry. Is that What's happening? Wait, what? If you are if you are before 2007, you're grandfathered into this new bill that they just put out. Okay. Right? For all vape companies, which nobody is. Who was pre-2007 no, vaping? Exactly. So if you want to stay in business starting officially, it's either September, October, you have to put up a $1 million application for every single SKU you have. So that means if you carry 10 flavors, oh that's $10 million. Dollars. Holy shit. So basically what that just did is put everybody out of Except business. Marlboro. And now, in my sales meetings, we have Philip Mars. Yep. We have RJR Reynolds. Yep. They're all now coming out with their own brand new lines that you haven't seen in stores yet. Because they've knocked because all the little guys so out. So basically, our Damn government. You. So basically, this is what happened. Our government sat back. So it's going to happen to weed. Let too. it. That's exactly what I was thinking. I know it's a little bit different, but but could we keep talking about this? This they they just did that to vape. So they basically just gave the entire industry. Two, you know what drives companies. me fucking nuts about when that, it was right? time. So that could happen. They're going to lose this battle. The state's going to come. They're going to sit back. It's going to be a huge industry. Then they're going to federally get involved and give the entire industry to the big companies. Our it, it probably will government happen somehow. I don't is, know how long, but we're so about we don't we like monopolies. How could we not like monopolies, so, but then allow Philip Morris right. to take over a new industry? If you're out there investing in any vape companies right now, <laughs> and you don't know this, you probably should pay attention to how rich you're. The company, it really is. Here's what else is good. Trying to be kind of hush-hush and going to go out of business soon. If you're in companies that sell vaporizers, that's probably going to put a push back more towards vaping flour. Or cigarettes. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Or back to cigarettes. You know, they're they're coming out with all kinds of different ways they can get nicotine in you. Yeah, I know. (laughs) We were were a part of it. We saw it happen through what what was... uh... First it was snooze. No, no. What was the way of putting nicotine in that John's company? Well, it wasn't a gum. What oh, was, it was it? You had spray. a, a spray, spray, a nicotine spray for your right. mouth. We've seen it all. Oh, this guy would have tried putting it in your butt. <laughs> Put it in your butt. Spray in your butt. Nicotine <laughs> uh, The best part was that as soon as the guy, I didn't even know the guy was going to mention anything about the butt. I saw that. It Nick was, was already looking at me like, yep. They're going to talk about yep. putting in the butt. Nick's like, yep, done it. Yep, in the butt. Yeah, and the guy's like, put it in rectal. I do it at lunchtime. Lunch break. Oh, dude. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. Brian, it was good to have you back, dude. Yeah, thanks it, for coming. It felt like a little time machine jump back to a time in the dude, past. don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Oh, <laughs> shit, LL. Uh, you got your inner LL instead of your inner Dr. Dre today? That's right, that's right. Dude, and great show. Glad to have Rye here. Special thank you to John Poss, CEO of GrowBlock Sciences, and Steven Feldman. Check him out at CanadaStocks.com. Uh, or no, on Twitter, at CanadaStocks. So keep your ear out, too. It's 420 coming up. Everyone have an awesome 420, and hopefully next show. Has brought up, I'm sorry, not to cut you off. No. Everybody remember the last four 420s from a stock market perspective have been horrible red days. It really, even 2014. Anything can happen, but beware. We were all waiting for 2014 on 420. This is when things were going to get hot. Bad day. 15, bad day. 16, You know, don't be scared. Just have your stop set. Yes. (laughs) Or watch things happen. 
and then make moves from there. Don't do things early exactly. on 420, maybe. Sit back with patience like, yeah. like, like fishing. What happens in 420 in the afternoons, what me and Rye want to know. All right, we'll be back next month. I believe the date will be the 8th of May. And we'll be back with another episode of Potstock Radio. Have some guests we're working on that will be announced on Twitter in the next couple of weeks. Until then, have an awesome 420 and look for news coming soon from Potstock Radio. Ending with a little bit more Rise Inner Dre. I won't barbershop. We gotta do it. Oh, special thank you as always. Now that Ryan's here to make the show, it's been a little while since I've been Ryan. Bobstock Radio. Bobstock Radio. More than anybody I've never met. I can say that. I don't like anyone I've never met in the world more than Brian. He's going to help us. Bobstock Radio. Look out. Bobstock Radio. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. And that's how she wrote.